appreciate him. starting a new series uh, right now because it's the brand new year. How many of you guys are excited about 2018? Yeah? I, I tell you what, 2017 has its ups, it has its downs, but guess what? Today's a new day, this is a new year, and I think God wants to do a new thing in our city and in our, in our midst, everywhere that, that we're at. I think God wants to do a new thing in your life uh, this year in 2018. In 2018. So we're starting this brand new series. It's called Hashtag 4ABQ. Hashtag for ABQ. And half of you are like, hey, that's cool, a hashtag. And the other ones are like, why? Why does he have to do this stuff? Because <laughs> I can't help it, all right? I just can't help it. So hashtag for ABQ. Here, here's what, I, what, I, what we did. See, as a staff and a leadership team, we sat down. It was actually near the beginning of last year. We had one of those giant white sticky note things that you can stick on the wall in one of our meetings. And I wrote something across the top of the page. And it says, what does the world say that we're against? What does the world say that we're against? And so we wrote this thing up on the wall. And, and what does the world say? Not, not what do people in the church, not our Christians, not what do people who are outside the church say that the church is against? Oh, man, we had a good time. We were writing all kinds of crazy stuff on this paper. And I thought I'd just share a few of them with you this morning because I thought they were exceptionally good. So can we put those up on the screen so that you guys can, can see? Oh, yeah, we're definitely against rock and roll, aren't we? And drugs and alcohol and dancing. God, because dancing might lead to sex. Sex might lead to fun. Um, definitely, you know, we're against homosexuals or loud music or contraception and tattoos. Oh my gosh, tattoos. My goodness. God forbid, right? Uh, definitely against the evolutionary theory or maybe just science in general. Christians and churches are against science, right? Isn't that what the world says? Like people on the outside looking in know nothing about church. They come up with these crazy things that, that they think that we're against all of these things. Anything not a Republican, right? Anything not a Republican, if, if it's not Republican, we're not, we're, you know, we're against it. We, you know, I, I got to say that I'm actually pretty proud that, that we have a mix of both Republicans and Democrats in our church. We have independents. We have green parties. Every kind of political affiliation you can find, you can find it in our church. And it's because we are a diverse, diverse group of people here at City Church. And we have decided that Jesus is our identifying factor, not our political party, not our affiliations, not any of this stuff. In fact, I would say that maybe you don't know this, but your pastor actually does a few of these things um, that you see on the screen. <laughs> I like to dance. I am married. I do have sex. Um, and it's lots of fun. And, uh, and, and I'm actually not a Republican, but... but oh. <gasps> I'm, I'm registered independent, just of you... For all of you guys that are like, oh my gosh, he's not a, I'm not a Republican. I do have tattoos. So, so I do have a few of these things going on. Um, just, just, you know, so the world on the outside looks in and says, oh, this is what the church is against. And so we laughed and our list was long, long. And so then we, we tore that page down. And we put another one up on the wall. And we said, what does the world say that the church is for? What does the world say that the church is for? And it was about this quiet. Um, maybe, maybe love, we, we love, we love people. Um, I, I, 
I mean, not, not what do we say we're for, but what is, the, what is the world out there? What are we known for out in the world around us? Judgment, right? Like those are all negative connotations that, that people say. But what is the good thing? What's the, what's the positive thing that churches are known for in our city? What is the thing that in our world? I got to say, right? I think that, that we should be known for a few things. We should be known for hope and faith and love. And, and we should be known for people getting set free and finding healing, both in, physically but even emotionally and mentally. I think that people should see that churches and Christians are for encouraging others. Not judging people where they're at, but just loving them into a relationship with Jesus. And that's what we should be known for. We shouldn't be known for all these negative things. And so what are we going to be known for as a church? You know, every January, I typically carve out one week and one weekend where we say, hey, this is the vision of our church. But you know what? We're going to take four weekends, and we're going to talk about the four different aspects of what our church focuses on and what we do and what we're known for as a church and as a body of believers. Does that sound like a good plan? That sounds like a good plan to me. Of course, I made the plan, so, you know, you're stuck with it whether you like it or not. So the world has this idea of the negative connotations. But I tell you what, when you look at that list, I don't know if we're necessarily against all that stuff. I don't know if we're necessarily against that big old list. I, in fact, I, I, I would say that Jesus is the one who helps transform people's hearts into a more likeness image to, to Christ, right? Like he, he actually molds people and changes people. And, 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 you know, it's actually not my job to change you. And it's, and, it, and it's not your job to change somebody else. In fact, our job is to be nothing but a signpost that loves people and points people to Jesus. And the work of the Holy Spirit, I got to tell you, I trust God enough that, that his Holy Spirit, he is good enough and strong enough and kind enough and wise enough to be able to shape somebody's heart the way it needs to be shaped so that they grow closer to Jesus. In fact, I find out that almost every time that I get involved, I make a mess of it. Maybe you do too. So, at our church, here's what we do. We center around four different things. And we've been talking about this for, for a few couple of years now, about how we're centering around four different um, things. And we've discovered this, is that all through the Bible, there's a pattern that you see of people growing in their faith. And so there are four steps that we see over and over and over again all through Scripture. In fact, if you are far from God, or if you're kind of on the fence about God, or if, if you're a, a devoted follower of Jesus here this morning, these same steps apply to every single one of us. And the first one is this. There's four steps in your spiritual journey. The first one is this, is that we want you to know God. I don't want you to know about God, but I want you to know God. I don't want you to think, well, there might be something out there in the distance, but I want you to have a personal relationship with God. And now if you're far from him, I want you to take that first initial step. But if you're already following the Lord, I want you to know God on a deeper level. I want your walk with the Lord to grow deeper and deeper and deeper. And so the second thing is we want you to find freedom. And we, we discovered this, that, that while you're following God, God starts to poke his finger at things inside of your heart from time to time. He starts to poke his finger into your soul. See, the Holy Spirit's good at this. He does it at the right timing with the right person at the right influence. And so he pokes his finger into your heart and says, hey, I want to bring you freedom in this area of your life. And so we want you to find freedom from your addictions and your afflictions, from the pain and the hurt that's happened to you in your past and in your life. I want you to find 
freedom. The third one is I want you to discover your purpose. Because it says in the Bible that God knew you before you were even formed in your mother's womb. It means that God actually knew who you are. He designed you. He built you on purpose for a purpose. And I want you to discover that purpose so that you can do the fourth thing, which is make a difference. You can make a difference with how God has wired you in order to be who God's designed you to be. I'm telling you, there's no greater feeling in the world than actually stepping into the purpose that God has called you out to do and making a difference in the life of somebody else. There's no greater feeling in the world. It doesn't matter what what kind of car you drive or house you live in. It doesn't matter how many kids you have or, or how pretty your wife is or your husband is. I'm just saying, there's no greater feeling in the world than knowing that you're doing what God has called you to do. So many times this world, people chase those other things. But, I, but I'm telling you, when you chase the purposes of God, there's no greater sense of satisfaction in the world. And so we've discovered this, and, and we've been talking about those four things now for a couple of years. And last year, we started talking about how there's actually verbs that attach to these four things. And so the verbs that attach into this, you have four verbs along your path. You see, when, when you want to know God, the verb is this, is you're going to follow. If you're going to know God, you're going you're gonna to follow. You know, listen, it's not about believing in God. It's not about believing in Jesus. It's about following him. In fact, Jesus didn't ask for believers. He asked for followers. He didn't say, hey, just if you believe in me. If you take it down to this road, think about it for a minute. Even Satan believes in Jesus. He's not looking for believers. He's looking for followers. And so if we're going to know God, we've got to be able to be in a place where we're following him and his commands. And I know what you're thinking, Matt, you're five minutes into this message and you haven't pulled the scripture out. Don't worry, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. But, you know, we're going to follow him. The, the, the next verb is this, is that we're, is, um, if we're going to find freedom, we've got to find connection. I have found that, that the greatest moments of change in my life did not happen in rows on a Sunday morning in a service. There have been moments where God has touched me in a service and things have changed. But the greatest change for life has happened in a circle. When you circle up and you rub elbows, somebody rubs you the wrong way, guess what? God's trying to poke at something in your heart to get you to change. You're uncomfortable with somebody else's behavior. I think God's trying to put that person into your life so that he can touch something in you that needs some shifting and some adjustment. Listen, you will find adjustment and freedom in the midst of your circles, in the midst of your small groups, in the midst of your Bible studies with other believers. This is not a me and Jesus game. It is a we and Jesus game. And so you're going to find freedom when you find the we and the we and Jesus. When you start working together in our small groups. I want you to discover your purpose. And the verb there is discover. It takes a little bit of work. It takes a little bit of investigation. It takes some prayer. It takes some, some seeking to, feel, to say, what, what is it, God, that you've actually called me to do here on this earth? And I want you to make a difference. And that difference is serving. Where can you be generous with where God has wired you to be? Where can you give? Where can you serve? Listen, writing a check and, 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 and donating money, that, that's great. Sure, that's generosity. But you know what costs even more is your time. You know what costs more than your time is your affection, your, your compassion, your love. It, it, giving of your compassion and your grace and your time and, your, and giving of yourself in that way. I don't know about you, but for me, that, that's almost harder to give sometimes and to throw a few bucks in the red bucket as we're ringing the bell. It, it, it's, it's, it's easy just to kind of just throw a, a tip here and a tip there. But, but how hard is it to give even more than that? To give even, even, even more than that into somebody else's life? And so what we're going to dive into now is, is the four values that drive our behaviors. 
the values that drive this thing. And so our no God connected to follow, right? But it also connects to this, is that we are all about Jesus. That is one of our core values here at City Church, is we are all about Jesus. And today, I'm going to dive deep into that one. And then but over the next three weeks, now you get a preview. So you can go, okay, I'm going to go to week two, but not week three, but because I can see the order now. But, but so, so like, you know, number one is that we're all about Jesus. Number two, core value is this, is that we treat the Bible like we believe it. We are about scripture. We believe that the word of God is the word of God and it came from him. It is inspired. It is infallible. And we are all about the scripture. And if it's in the Bible, then we're going to believe it. We're going to do it. And we, we, you know, we are a charismatic, if you want to call that, spirit-filled church. We believe in all the gifts of the spirit, just like it says in the Bible. There's biblical boundaries around it. There's parameters. There's, there's guidelines, uh, rails that go around that road. But I'm telling you, we believe in all of the gifts of the spirit. And we see that happening in our church. We see miracles happening in our church. We see sick people get healed. We see things like that happen in our midst. And this, we, we are the church. Value number three, we are the church. Listen, we don't go to church to consume. We are the church and we contribute. The church is not a building. The church is not, it, it, the church is me and you. It's people. And we are the church. And the fourth one is this, is we love to be generous. We love to be generous. Generosity, we should be known by that. We should be known by how giving and caring and kind that we are. And the world should know that about us at least. If they don't know that we're just about, they're all about Jesus, okay. If they don't know these other things, they should know at least that one. But today we're gonna look at We are all about Jesus. We are all about Jesus. Have you guys ever tried to build anything? Like like from scratch, tried to build anything? See, so some of us that are like construction-minded people, how many guys here, you have power tools and you're good at building stuff? Raise a hand. I I got got a couple hands here. How many of you guys, you look at the Ikea box and you break out in cold sweats? You're like, I can't put this together. Yeah, you got people going like, oh my, I don't even know if I can do that. You know, the uh, Ikea box, they they put the little baby tools in there just, just for you, right? The first group of guys are like, I'm pulling my impact driver, you know. We're going to make it, you know. So, but there's different people that like to build different things. When I was a kid, I liked to build and tinker with things. And I can remember my first tree fort that I built. You know, I don't know how old I was. I was probably in later elementary school. And uh, my parents acquired a pallet for me, uh, one of those uh, packing, shipping pallets. And so somehow we, we hauled this thing up into a tree and we put it up on a cup across, a couple across a across a couple of branches and we we we've stretched it out and we had this little platform up on the tree that was my tree fort hey i was a kid but in my mind it was like a pirate ship one day you know and then at other days it was a castle and and i and i built it and it was a little little wobbly and a little rickety but but i was proud of it you know and so i built this 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 tree fort and and you know why because the branches weren't quite even like they weren't perfectly set up for the, my pallet to rest for a perfect platform and so it was a little off and and then you know i tried to nail the the pallet into the tree and and you know I, my parents probably didn't know that part, but, you know, it's probably damaged the tree, you know, because I'm putting nails into it. And, and so we, we did this whole, this whole little pallet up on, the, up on the branches thing. And meanwhile, my friend down the road um, also decided to build a tree fort. But he had his dad help him. And his dad was one of those guys, you know, with all the power tools and stuff. And so I remember going out there. I already built my tree fort, you know. It was a blast. I was playing in it already. And I'm out there and I'm looking. And, and what I see is they have this tree in their backyard and he's digging holes in the ground. And I'm like, uh, bro, the tree, that's supposed to go up there, not down here, you know. And, but the next thing I notice they're pouring concrete into the ground. 
And then um, pretty soon this thing starts to form, and then all of a sudden there's joists and there's walls, and it's all on the ground level. And, and, and later on I, I learned this, that that was the first story of the treehouse. And so when you got up onto the deck, you know, the top of the, the first story, there was a ladder thing that was went up to another level of the treehouse, kind of up in the tree. And then you climbed up there on that level, and there was another little deck thing there. And, and then, you, you know, and then there was like a little lookout, even like on the third level up in the tree. It was like some next level treehouse, right? It was, it was pretty amazing, and, and pretty soon nobody wanted to play in my tree fort anymore because that one was the dominating tree fort. Listen, guys, when we're building a church... You and I, we are building a church. And if we're going to build a church, we have to make sure if we're going to build something significant that's going to last the stretch of time, we have to make sure that it's based on the right things. We got to dig deep. We got to pour a foundation. We got to do these things, right? Now, this church has been here for 25 years, and there's been a, a foundation that has been laid. And, and now it's been here for longer than 25. It's what, 26 and a half years. And so it's, it's, um, we have a foundation that is laid in our church, but it's time to build. It's time to start putting some sticks up. It's time to start building that ground floor level of our church. Amen? It's, it's what it's going to take. You see, and there's, there's a foundational piece that has to happen. And you see, for us, that foundational piece is Jesus. Because we're all about Jesus. We're all about Jesus. In fact, if we look at Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. Matthew chapter 16, Verses 13 through 20. It says, Now when, when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? He's like, What is the word on the street about who I am? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, some say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, Jesus said to him, Yeah, but, but word on the street is that. But what do you say? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, he replied, well, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, now that statement seems kind of a given, doesn't it? But, but it was a pretty phenomenal idea of the time to say, well, you're not just a prophet, but you are the son of God. And, and Jesus says this, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And then he strictly charged the disciples, tell no one that he was the Christ. It's kind of funny, isn't it? Wouldn't you think he'd be like, hey, go tell everybody. He's like, no, no, no don't tell anybody. I think he wanted people to kind of discover it on their own rather than having to be told um, that it was this way. You know, we, we see this here that, that in this passage, it says that Jesus is the, is the founder and the builder of the church. Jesus is the one who started the church. And it's on this rock of declaration that, that he's going to build this church. So Jesus is the founder and the builder of the church. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, I believe, it says that he is the cornerstone, that Christ is the cornerstone of the church. You see, Christ is the now cornerstone is kind of a, a different concept maybe for most of us today because most of us today aren't building buildings like they were back then. You see, today we draw blueprints and we power a foundation that stretches the entire perimeter all at once. But you see, what they did is they would start with one stone in the corner. That cornerstone had to be laid exactly perfect. The edges had to be flattened just right. The shape had to be just right. They had to make it perfectly level. You see, if the cornerstone was off kilter, just like my branches in my tree fort, if, if it was off kilter, the whole thing would be unstable. 
It would limit the size of what could be built if there was imperfections in that cornerstone. And so Christ was the cornerstone. He's always steady. You know, as we go through time and as we go through life in this world, our church right here might have some differences. We might paint the walls a different color. We might move a wall or two. We might add crazy lights and a haze machine. We might, we might do different decoration things that, that we do to be able to color and, and change and whatnot. And like, your pastor might wear ripped up jeans and a t-shirt from time to time. Like, you just don't know. But, but here's the thing, is the outside looking in, the differences on opinions and views and the way it looks and it's dressed up, that can change over time. But listen, you know what doesn't change? is Christ is the cornerstone of this church. He always has been and he always will be. We're all about Jesus here at City Church. We are all about Jesus. All about Jesus. You see, the cornerstone is always steady. It doesn't grow old and weak. It's like, it's like the reference point to be able to build the structure. Jesus is the reference point and the foundation, the main piece starting to build the structure. Point number two is this, is that Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. He is the authority. Jesus is the top. If you can think about it, if you cut my head off, my hand's pretty useless, isn't it? Like the rest of my body is, is pretty pointless. But if you cut off my hand, guess what? The rest of me is still going all right. I mean, I'm in a lot of pain, and there's some blood, and I'm going to need a doctor. But, but you know, like, I'm, I'm physically going to make it, right? I'm going to be down a few digits, but we're going to make it happen. And, and, and so, like, there's a thing there where Jesus is the head. He's the decision point. He's the top of this thing. We don't function without him. If he's not here, this is all show. That's it. This is show. Come together, hear a motivational speaker, go home, watch some playoffs. Oh, wait, the Broncos aren't in it? There's no playoffs. Yeah, that's right. I heard, I heard an amen in there. That's right. That's right. Boy, I'm not boycotting football for the rest of the season, right? So, but yeah, so I mean, we're, we're just here for a motive. If it's not about Jesus, then what are we doing here? If it's not about Jesus, then what are we doing? He is the head of the church. He is the authority. Our body is subject to the head. You see, in, in the head of the church, Jesus, he has some priorities. And because I'm doing everything in fours, I picked what I thought would be the top four priorities. You might differ with me on this one, but, but, that's, but that's okay. So the top four that I would say is this, is, is that in Luke 9, it talks about how he, Jesus says that he wants the lost to find Christ. In fact, you see, even in the Great Commission, he says, go into all the world, preach the gospel, and make disciples. One of the main things that Jesus has, his priority is find lost people and bring them back into Jesus. He had parables about this. He had stories about this. He's always talking about taking, finding people who are lost and bringing them back into relationship with Jesus. And if the head of our church, if that's his priority, that should be our priority. That needs to be something that's a priority in our life. You know, the other one is that he always had a value for loving one another. One of his priorities was valuing loving one another. So we should value loving one another. He also had a value around unifying around the cause of Christ. Unity, not for unity's sake, but, but unity to be able to rally around the cause of Christ, to be able to advance the gospel and, and to love one another. And Jesus had a value of praying. He's praying all the time. In fact, the Bible talks a lot about praying and praying without ceasing. And praying like 24-7. I don't know how, do you guys pray in your sleep? I don't know. 2018, New Year's resolution, right? I'm going to pray in my sleep. Pray without ceasing. So here's the thing. If we rob God of his authority, 
it robs us of our power. If we rob God of his authority, it robs us of our power. Our power has to be based in the authority of Jesus Christ. Nothing more, nothing less. You see, following Jesus is very simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. Sometimes we tend to complicate it, don't we? Christians are like, yeah, I've been saved for 20 years. People have made it complicated. It's gotten very complicated. Listen, it doesn't need to be complicated. We're following Jesus together. That's what we're doing. I'm one beggar. You're another beggar. We just happen to have found the source of some food. So when God is robbed of his authority, we are robbed of our power. If the band would come, I'm actually going to close right now. And number three is this. Jesus is the focus of his church. Jesus is the focus of his church. Listen, we're going to do things in our church that are going to be extra things that we do. In fact, we do some of them now. We have a, a children's home in Mexico that we support. We send presents down. We, we, we uh, send work crews down. We send finances down. We, we do all kinds of things throughout the year with, with the children's home, this, this orphanage children's home in Anapra, Mexico. But guess what? That is not the focus of our church. That is a byproduct of our focus. We, we feed homeless people. We have a crew of people that get together and they make sandwiches and they, they go out and they feed and pray and minister to homeless people in our city. That's not the focus of our church. That is a byproduct of the focus of our church. We will always be focused on Jesus. And so when you see us organizing things to go out and, and bless somebody, you know, we had Roadrunner Food Bank come in here, partnered up with us. We, we put... Um, a week's worth of groceries into hundreds of people's homes right here in the front of our church. And, and, and it's not because that's our focus. That's the byproduct of our focus. As we focus on Jesus, we become more Christ-like. That's why we plaster it all over the walls in this place that we're going to live like Jesus and share his love. We're going to make him the focus. And when we make him the focus, all kinds of other things start to come out of us without us even really having to try. Because God starts to shape himself inside of us. I'm telling you, it's simple. When you follow Jesus, these other things start to happen. You don't need to chase all this other stuff. You follow Jesus, and through time, Christ makes you more and more in his image. And these things start to come out of your life. The byproducts start to come out of your life that you weren't even trying to necessarily attain. Following Christ is our focus. He is our focus. And so, I want you to know this. A great church is not about its building. A great church is not about its stuff. It's not about where, it's, where it is or, or what it's doing or even necessarily the size of the people that are in the church, whether it's 1,000 or 10,000 or 100 or 400 or, or, or wherever the size of the church may be. It's not even about that. You see, a great church is a people who sees its greatness in Jesus because the, the church isn't the four walls. The church isn't the roof. The church isn't any of these things. The church is you and me. We are the church. And when we focus on Jesus, amazing things happen. It's not in its building or its stuff. And I got to say, we have a nice building. We have nice stuff. You know, there's nothing wrong with having a nice building and nice stuff. There's really nothing wrong with it. In fact, if you have the ability to make money in your life, there's nothing wrong with making money. There's nothing wrong with having personal wealth. You see, if God's given you that ability to do that, go do that. Be a steward. Be a good steward of the resources that God gives you. And if he gives you those skills and ability, use it. And then find ways to be generous with it so that you're being a blessing to other people. I've heard Christians get bent out of shape over this. Well, I can't be rich if I'm a Christian. I got to give it all away. No, you need to be a steward of the resources so that you can be a bigger blessing. 
be a bigger blessing to those around you. If God's given you those resources and given you the ability, use it to the best of your ability and use it to God's glory. Listen, I wanna tell you that your foundation matters. Our foundation as a church matters. If you're gonna build anything great, it must have a solid foundation. You know, my, my wobbly little pallet in the tree didn't last long. I don't think it was up there for even a whole summer. In fact, it was quite dangerous. It probably never should have been up there in the first place, to be honest with you. It, it, you couldn't build on it. There was no way I was going to have a multi-story building in a tree with that little pallet on those uneven branches. I tried attaching a wall one time, and it was just a disastrous effect. But the person who took the time down the road to dig the ditch and pour the concrete and take some measurements and level things out and make sure that the foundation was poured right, that playhouse, I'd probably still standing there all these years later. I mean, it was built so well. It was just incredible. It's just incredible. Listen, guys, we're building a great church. Maybe it doesn't happen as fast as you want it. Or maybe it's not just instantaneous. It takes a little work. It takes some time. The product of what you see here at City Church is not because it happened last week or last month, last decade. It's decades and decades of time and prayer and energy and people sowing and, and, and investing. And, and it's, it's what's happening here is what got started back decades ago. Church, we're part of something special. And we've got to keep Jesus as the center of it all. Christ is our cornerstone. Christ is our cornerstone. That's the end of my message this morning. And you might be here this morning and, and you might be thinking, well, you know, I've known about God. I've known about Jesus. But honestly, I've never made a decision to actually follow him. I, in fact, you might have been in church a few times. You may have grown up in church and said, you know, I, I just, I hear the stories about God or I sing some songs, but, but honestly, I've never dedicated my life to follow him. I beg you, this morning, make that decision to follow him. It doesn't have to be complicated. It can just be simple. In fact, I've got a resource I want to give you. If today's the day you say, I want, to, I want to start that journey, I want to give you something to help you on that journey. You can start off 2018 saying, today's the day that I'm choosing to follow Jesus. In fact, we're going to have prayer teams that are going to be here this morning. They're actually going to be on either side of the stage. If you need prayer for any reason whatsoever, whether it be a physical healing or, or maybe you're going through something emotionally or, or spiritually or, or whatnot, or maybe today's the day you're deciding to make a decision to follow Jesus, please come forward, get some prayer. They want to give you that resource to help you on your way. One last thing before we leave this morning is this, is, is we have our Connect class. And, and it's the first Sunday of the month. And it, Many of you signed up, but if you did not, if you forgot to sign up, or maybe you're just your first week here and you're like, this is it, this is my church, I'm doing it. Guess what? We ordered a little extra food um, so that you can join us. Um, it's going to start about 11.30, so you can hang out, shake hands. It's going to be right over here in the commons, and in about half an hour, we're going to get that class started. Come on, church, will you stand with me? Let's sing one last song before we leave this morning.